0: Hey, everybody, this is Linda Misogaitis, and you're listening to An Unconventional Guide to Success, the show that talks about real life with real people for those of you who are interested in learning from others the steps they took on their journey towards success as defined by them. Hello, and welcome to An Unconventional Guide to Success. Scott, so good to see you.
1: Good to see you, too. How are you feeling?
0: I am, you know, still battling this darn viral stuff. Um, I wish um, almost that it was bacterial because I feel like at least they can give you something for it. Um, But (laughs) with this viral, it's just kind of like a sit and wait. So but I'm definitely Uh. feeling better than I was because it was it was after coming back from Florida when I saw you last time when we were together. Yeah, Um, it is. It was just kind of crazy. But um, how about you? I know you said you've been kind of battling the flu as well.
1: Maybe we shared it because when I got back from Florida, also, but mm-hmm. I had more of the flu symptoms than the sinus symptoms. But I am feeling today I'm back. Good. We've got Alex with us. The yes. energy's high, the lighting is good. Oh, yeah. We're ready to rock I'm and so roll.
0: excited to have Alex in the <laughs> studio with us today. This is going to yeah. be a good conversation. So, um, well, and I'll start out then by just giving everybody a little bit of Alex's background. So, Alex awesome. Smith is the head of strategy and execution, HCM public sector at Oracle. And in this role, she's responsible for driving HCM cloud growth by working with customers throughout all stages of their life cycle, as well as working with internal public sector teams to develop and execute Oracle's go-to-market strategy. Previously, though, um, uh, going to for coming to Oracle, Alex worked as the chief human resource officer for the um, city of Memphis and was mm. the uh, reported directly to the mayor Jim Strickland from January 2016 to 2023, which is actually pretty impressive because a lot of times on um, those uh, appointed positions, you don't um, quite make it as many years as Alex has. So she did some <laughs> yeah, seven, incredible yeah, things there time. at the city. Um, but um, Alex is the architect of the city's 21st century talent management, total rewards, HRS, and diversity practices, which helped move the city from a Glassdoor overall rating of 2.5 out of 5 in 2015 to 3.5 out of 5 in 2019. And that's pretty impressive. Um, Also in 2018, the city was one of the first large municipal governments to move to Oracle's HCM Cloud, receiving recognition in Workforce Magazine for this this, uh, achievement. Alex is a firm believer in community service and I know she gives back a lot. Um, She serves on the advisory council for 360 Insights and the advisory board for government executive media groups Route 50. I just saw the announcement from Baron and Green, so congratulations, that's awesome. She also serves on the board of directors for the Soulsville Foundation. She holds her bachelor's degree in economics from Duke University and a master's degree in human resources and industrial relations from the University of Minnesota. And on a personal level, Alex currently lives in Memphis with her two daughters. So welcome awesome. to the studio. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. So
2: good to yes, be here. Quite Big. an
0: impressive background for sure. I um, mean, <laughs> Alex didn't, doesn't even capture all of the <laughs> accolades and awards that Alex has received um, over the last several years. So, um, so, you know, it's amazing. That's
1: awesome. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Lots nope. to unpack today. Lots to unpack.
0: Cool. yes yeah. absolutely no it's good but uh, Scott um, hates this part Alex but I don't care um, because it's my show so I can go. do what I want um, <laughs> here we go yes. <laughs> yes. that's another standing reality another stand- that we all yeah, live exactly. in exactly <laughs> that's right <laughs> um, but I like to start the show with an icebreaker um, I think it's yeah. kind of fun and um, one of the my icebreaker for us is if you could hang out with any cartoon character who would you choose and why why would you choose that character so I thought Long and hard about this,
2: and I was a big fan of the Smurfs growing up. I would ah. love to sit and be with Smurfette, um, yeah, the only girl, right? The only yes. girl among oh, yeah. all of these other, I don't male
0: <laughs> Smurfs
2: <Yeah>. figures, <laughs> figures yeah. of some sort. And what is that like? What is that like Smurfette yeah. to, to be the only one like you and, yeah. um, and how do you, and how do you, you know, move forward? And um, what does that, what does that mean in terms of decision-making in terms of you, you know, having your life, the way that you wanted, um, you know, your opinions yeah. um, there, you know, it, even the baby Smurfs are all, I think male. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think
1: you're right. And, oh, yeah. I never knew. I never noticed <laughs> that so before. I, yeah. I do. I
2: wanted that. And then I, I do also would love to meet with Papa Smurf too. Right. So you
1: know, yeah, it's this
2: leader, <laughs> right. Of all of these Smurfs <laughs> that are trying yes. to keep them safe. Right. What, what
0: That's true. What, right. You know,
2: right. Who do you call on for support or help recognize I me mean, as a former leader, you know when you're the only one and everybody's looking to you for guidance right. how do
0: you yeah. have
2: grounding and support so that's that's the path i, like I would that. go down
0: that's a good one okay. no yeah that's a, uh, that's our first smurf <laughs> Scott. So <laughs> it
1: is our first yeah, smurf, and no. there were two of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And no, whoever
1: knew there was one female smurf in all the smurf stuff.
0: I I, isn't that crazy? And I love the
1: smurfs when I was younger, yeah. too. I watched them all the time. Yeah. It was like, so yeah, they've sort of popped in and then they went away. And I don't even know, was I like eight to 15 years old? but <laughs> <laughs> Like, when did that happen? No, but it yeah, is.
0: Right? That is. Yeah, right. that is interesting. And that's you're awesome. right, I hadn't thought about that either, but um, it is funny um, how much um, that particular part of our culture. Cartoons have a great insight into the soul. So um, it's amazing how much they've really been used to uh, to share all types of things that are going on in the world today. Um, mm-hmm. And so, no, I like that. What about you, Scott? Who are you choosing?
1: I think I- instead of being one, I like how we asked who you'd hang out with. Yeah. I, I like the Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner <laughs> scenario because I was always so fascinated how they would like kill or be killed all day. And then like, Oh, break time. Let's sit down and have lunch and talk it out. <laughs> yeah. Like they were f- hot, cold friends. Yeah. yeah. It was really yes. weird. That's and also true. how do you, how do you do that? Right. How do you separate yeah. church wow. and state, you know, no. the original frenemies,
0: true, yeah.
2: right? The original
1: frenemies. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: That's right. Is That's very right. true. Yeah. But they just so put I it like aside. To- yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's just ask, how did you, I would just, that's what I would ask when I hung out with him. How yeah. did you put that aside?
0: No, it it is a good lesson, though, in separation, right? And thinking about yeah. how do you separate um, your job from your life and being able to have those moments of clarity that, you know, well, that's my job. But hey, here we are sitting here, hanging out. Or, or do sandwiches. they separate
1: it? Whoa, that's a good point. It?
0: Yeah, maybe they don't. That's a good point. Maybe that's
1: all part of the game.
0: Yeah, right. no, it definitely would be for sure. No, I like it. Good one.
1: All right, good you're stuff. up. You're up, Linda. All
0: right, I'm, I'm going to, I I'm still love Marvin. You know, Marvin the Martian is still one of my favorite guys. I would just <laughs> okay. love to. She's a little um, older than us, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a little older <laughs> than you guys. So. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, because I know the I'm truth. I'm just kidding. Um, so, um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but I, I do still love my Looney Tunes. Um, and Marvin is just such an interesting character to me. So I would like to understand, like, what motivates him, what drives him, and what would he do if he actually accomplished taking over the world? You know, like, what, what's he going to do with it? So, i um, so I love to. It? Yeah, and who wants that? <laughs> who wants that kind of responsibility? So. <laughs> No, no, I love I it. I feel well, like the ice is broken. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I the think The ice I'm like, is I'm broken, yes. Thank I'm you for, for indulging me in that. Let's go, no. baby. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, so Alex, maybe you could tell us all a little bit, like, why why HR? Why did you know? How did you find yourself working in human resources?
2: Oh, so it's a very interesting story. Um, so it started off with me wanting to be a stockbroker. I wanted to be uh, oh. the Gordon Gecko of, of the world of equities. And, um, wow. for, I would say for at least six years of my life, I had dedicated time to studying, um, financial markets, equity markets. Um, I had even started economic research when I was in high school and wow. had went to Duke as an economics major with this idea that I was going to go to wall street. And then my junior year, got a chance to uh, go and tour Wall Street, go to some of the i banks, and determined Fine. that I hated it. Was not the life that I <laughs> okay. wanted for myself. <laughs> um, literally saw people that um, were stressed out. Uh, you know, of course, financially driven, but. Um, they just looked really unhappy and they were missing the one thing that has been a common thread in my life since I was a little girl, which was service. Um, My grandfather was a a three-term city councilman and uh, my family was committed to service um, from my youth all the way up into my adulthood. And so service was a part of my life. Even in high school, I was a part of youth as resources Mm -hmm. board and I did things to help others and I knew that I wanted to have that in my career. And when I yeah. went to, to Wall Street, it was clear that there was no time uh, for that. Yeah. There was, there, there was no availability for that. And so that, that was a problem for me. And so um, my junior year, I was at this major crossroad of what am I going to do with my life? And I right. uh, got the opportunity to be a director of a small nonprofit that was in charge of, Basically creating one stop shop, one stop community services um, support um, within community centers in Durham, North Carolina. And um, as being that director, I got a chance to recruit volunteers. I was helping people with job searches. I was helping people locate resources uh, to to uh, get back on their feet or to transition. And it fed my my spirit in a way where I said, you know, this is the kind of work that I want to be doing. And so yeah. it just so happened about the same time um, I ran into a, a graduate student who was working with my mother at the University of Illinois, and they were in the master's HR program. Uh, there at Illinois, and he was explaining to me all the, the aspects of HR. I really didn't even know what HR yeah. was as a function, and he mm. uh, explained the program, and he said, you know, with you having an econ background, you actually would be a perfect fit, because not many people with economics background going to HR is mostly people with right. psychology background, so you would be actually different uh, to come in and talk about labor markets and compensation and, and the, this analytical aspect of it, in addition to mm-hmm. this idea around people. And so I said, you know yeah. what, I I, I I think you're right. And so uh, between my real experience of being this nonprofit director and then talking with this um, with this graduate student, and I actually you know, I had developed a love for microeconomics as well as I was studying econ, I decided to go ahead and go to grad school. And um, it was the best decision of my life. So I went to University of Minnesota. Um, Uh, Got my master's in HR, got a chance to do everything from intern for for big top 50 companies, as well as I was managing partner of their Carlson Volunteer Consulting Group, um, which provided nonprofit consulting services and um, was able to, to really uh, flourish uh, very early in my career, and I knew it was the right decisions for me. So now, 20 years later, uh, I am mm-hmm. still, I would say, in HR, even <laughs> though now it's kind of morphed into this space of, of I'll call it, HR um, consulting uh, services, mm-hmm. if you will, and, and thinking about uh, the, the overall system uh, and systems that HR leaders choose. Um, but still, I'm very passionate about the HR function.
0: Yeah. I wow.
1: love that. No, that's amazing. And that yeah. sounds very much in line with UKG too, Linda, doesn't it? The HR function and the software pieces and the yeah. analytics of it all. No, yeah. definitely. It's kind of,
0: yeah, that, that world of the, you know, kind of like, how do we, all of the amazing things that are out there, but now how do we take that and apply that in a way that makes sense Um, for sure. So um, see, so yeah. I love
1: Alex that you were self-aware of, what you were witnessing at such a young age too i mean that's such an important thing for people to recognize is that just because you thought that's what you wanted when you got in there you changed you pivoted like a day it sounds yeah. like fairly quickly yes, yes and you know for our young for our young viewers who think they've got their path it's mm-hmm. always good to explore and keep all options open and you'll find success in the craziest ways right? absolutely
2: yeah. i think to thine self be true, right? You wanna be be very honest and, and, and clear with yourself about um, how you're feeling and what you're experiencing. Um, you know, resiliency and perseverance is, is always important, um, but also recognizing when something really is not the right path for you is important to, and, and for you to yeah. make that pivot. And I, I've learned pretty pretty early on that, you know, cutting your losses is not a bad thing. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it, you know, it's not. I wish I could learn yeah, that it's lesson too. Yeah. You know, yeah, If something's not working for you, yeah. it's not working for you, and that's okay. It's okay, it's better for you yeah. to invest right. your time towards something that is working versus something that that's not. And, um, and, and so, uh, I'm grateful that I learned that lesson. Uh, I've had a lot of wonderful wise mentors uh, that have helped me uh, along the way and really giving me that insight, um, to, you know, make sure you're investing your time in, in, in what's going to, to, to pan out for you.
0: Now, I'm glad you said that. Cause I'm curious, you know, um, how, because, you know, how did you at such a young age become so self-aware because most of us, you know, stumble a lot. I know I did. Um, I was not nearly that self-aware. And so like, what, what was it, who, who were those people and, and did you seek them out? Did they seek you out? Like how did you align yourself with those mentors?
2: Well, the, the first one, which I would say, you know, it, by, you know, divine, uh, divine intervention, um, uh, with my grandfather and, um, you know, having him as a, uh, as a mentor, my first mentor, um, my father figure, um, because I didn't, I didn't know my father. So my, my, my grandfather actually filled in the gap and, and helped raise me with my mother and my grandmother, um, yeah. and watching him as an entrepreneur, as a politician. Um, as a as a as the, the patriarch for our family, I learned a lot about the importance of relationships the importance of um, due diligence, the importance of mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. systems and 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 that everything is connected you know and and he would often say, yeah. you know you never burn bridges it's you never know when you're going to need to lean on different relationships so it's always important that you you know try to to cultivate and build relationships where you can. Um, you know, because it, 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 can, it can pay dividends for you. Uh, he's the one talking about the importance of networking and uh, the ability to see yourself as a connector uh, and learning mm-hmm. from others and also being able to you know, pay that forward as well um, by helping others uh, too. So I learned a lot from him. And, and from that, um, I really set my own path of building my own uh, network in and, and every stage of my career I've made it my my, my business really to uh, reach out and to get to know people and and really seek to understand um, in every mm. single way.
1: Oh wait, let me let me let me stop you right there. Tell me again, you made it your business to seek what to un- for our young seek listeners to understand?
2: Yeah. everything is yeah,
1: seek to understand. The someone
2: network. someone taught me a long time ago that everything is the way it is for a reason. Things didn't just happen because people just randomly decide to do things. Everything happened for yeah. a reason. So before you can look to change anything, you have to respect where the organization has been, what they've been through, the journey they've gone through and seeking to understand yeah. that is extremely important. And I would tell you, that's one of the, you know, the things I coach my mentees on is having taken the emotion out of it. You know, taking your judgment out of it and just seek to Mm -hmm. understand why they're doing what they're doing. And then once you understand that, then you can start to introduce some ideas and concepts on how you can help them evolve and take it to the next level. But you got to respect where they are right now.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. And seek making that your job is the interesting nuance to what you're saying as mm-hmm. well. It's not always about the software and the product and the role. It's the function yes. and the the seek to be understood and the how can I help and help me understand concepts that a lot of people graduate college or they go into roles thinking they're going to command a result mm-hmm. without that help me understand part or the mentors mentee relationships, right? Yeah, really, really important that you honed in on that. And it's, it's lovely to hear for those who are questioning how that goes, it clearly taught you how to pay attention to how you responded to what you thought was your career path.
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. And
1: really, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating.
0: No, definitely. Talk a little bit more about the power of networking, because obviously with your grandfather being in politics, it's all about networking (laughs) and politics. Right. And I'm curious kind of how learning about that and then maybe even how that helped you in your role in the city, because, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. um, the challenge of working in government is that uh, it's not just the job side of it, their politics are still very much a part of the role that you play, even in human resources, um, in government. So, talk a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that that I learned, you know, early on is that everyone has a story, and the key to to good, effective networking is learning their story, is asking them questions to be able to understand once again their journey, and and um, yeah. and when you. Unlock that. You learn about, you know, how they're connected to different people and and what their role is and the interplay. And you can start to see the web, if you will, the web of interconnection between different Mm -hmm. individuals and different organizations. And what you start to learn, um, and and over time, and and I'll translate to my my city government experience is that you know at the end of the day. Leaders attract leaders <laughs> and policymakers attract policymakers. Uh, and there is this very, just very close interweb between all of the leaders and all of the policymakers together. And each one of them has their own agendas. And sometimes they form alliances uh, and sometimes they can be in opposition. But it's usually rarely ever necessarily personal. It is about them trying to move their agenda forward, which they believe in um, wholeheartedly in their own way. And so your ability to understand what those agendas are, understanding those interconnections, understanding where um, those uh, kind of intersections are happening uh, across your organization or across the, the broader city uh, it helps you in being able to make sure you can create your right the right alliances to be able to get certain things done, or for you to understand what your opposition is going to be before you even say yeah. anything. <laughs> right, you already know right. that if you're interested in you know moving a certain uh, thing forward, for example, uh, if, you know increasing minimum wage. Um, that you're going to have certain businesses that are experiencing cost pressures that are mm-hmm. going to naturally be against that because they're trying to keep their costs down. And then you may have certain other labor organizations that are going to be very excited about that because it means right. more money for their membership and maybe even retailers that might be excited about that. So, you know, okay. understanding those dynamics. Um. So the networking part, you know, it really taught me to understand the system of, of, of things, understand, those mm-hmm. agendas. And then coming into city government, I was able to take that and build my own sense of networking from there and started internally first with understanding, you know, the different division or department heads and what was important to them um, and how they were connected. Uh, and then going out externally and then understanding the different nonprofit partners under government agencies, what their different agendas were and how things are interconnected. And so that that helped um, us move a lot of things forward very quickly. So, for example, during the pandemic, one of the issues that we uh, saw very early on is that there was going to be a challenge for our essential workers who had children to be able to have reliable child care. During the pandemic. Mm, I remember that. And so, because I already had a relationship with the YMCA um, and our parks department, I was able to make a few phone calls and say, hey, is there any way that we could look at some sort of partnership support with the YMCA? to see if they can offer some uh, child care support to our employees as essential workers during the pandemic. And luckily, the answer was yes. And so we were one of the few agencies that was able to have um, what we call student learning hubs within our community centers uh, to be able to provide free child care support to our workers during the pandemic.
1: That's Because they didn't want to call it child care. They needed to call it something else, right? interesting very interesting yes good good move
0: yeah because then it's
1: workshops and it's educational and it's community service versus daycare which has a different liability and a different connotation to it wow but
0: networking
2: allowed for that the ability
1: to pick up the phone and have a conversation
2: allowed for that
1: well and the interplay the word interplay really jumps out at me for you when you said interplay i was like wow that dominoes just fall Mm -hmm. understanding interplay is so key and critical yeah. And yeah, that's great. Great stories.
0: No, that is really good. Well, and I'm curious to um, Alex in throughout your journey, you've clearly had to um, you're a goal oriented person, I can tell I'm um, just in talking to you. So um, if. Talk a little bit about that and the importance that that played as you kind of have come through this journey and the path that you've been on. Can you talk a little bit about how important goals are and, and maybe how you even incorporated that into, um, whether consciously or subconsciously, into your journey um, to get where you are right now? Absolutely. absolutely. So I would say that goals
2: are um, are sparks of hope. And and without <laughs> oh without goals, you you may not have any hope, um, and because it it gives you something to to reach for. Um, yeah. I am a big proponent of smart goals. You know, you know, specific, measurable, actionable, time bound. You know, my HR is coming out. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, reasonable. Uh, you know, th- it, but but I I firmly believe that that goals are. Um, the, the fundamental aspect that allows for you to to have hope for something better and to give you something to strive for, which if you do it right, you know, and you have a strategy, you know, being able mm-hmm. to break that down, that strategy down into goals uh, is what helps make things achievable. So weight loss is my, my favorite example of that. You know, when I was in high school, I was 260 pounds and I had Always had this dream about one day, you know, being a size ten and being, um, you know, a hundred pounds lighter. And yeah. it was the the actual act of sitting down and breaking in things into whether it's monthly goals, weekly goals, uh, and starting with those small behavioral changes each week that I was able to ultimately get to my goal um my old yeah. my large size goal. But this ability to be able to break things down into smaller sizable goals and work mm-hmm. towards that and communicate that and give yourself um I think this this adaptability and flexibility and grace
1: to be able grace. to Yes. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> to be able yeah. to,
2: you know, uh to to achieve that. But even if you don't achieve it in the of the time frame be able to work through that. uh, I I think those are healthy practices for you to be able to continue to have growth and uh, continuous learning. And so I practice that as a leader as well. You know, I'm very big on, you know, let's, you know, yes, we want to improve our time to feel um, Mm -hmm. to less than 50 days. But when I started the city of Memphis, we were at 120 days. So to go to say to them, we're going to go from right? 120 to 50, that would have overwhelmed everybody. So the first goal right. was, can we get it to 90 days? That yeah. was actually the first goal. First goal was, can we get it to 90 like days? That. And yeah. for two years, we worked extremely hard. And next thing I know, we're at 75 days, <laughs> right? Wow. And wow. then at 75, yeah. we were like, okay, now let's try it for 60, okay? And then once yeah. we got to 60, okay. then we were like, okay, let's try for 50, and then it was yeah. like, OK, let's try for less than 50. And now the team is 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 filling roles in less than 50 days, um, seven That's years amazing. later. But you have to you have to start, first of all, measuring where are you right. uh, and being honest about mm-hmm. that. But then setting those smaller goals and going and going uh, down the path. Um, I, th- I think it's just a healthy,
1: healthy leadership practice to have. I really like that you bring up specific, measurable, attainable, reachable. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember the R in in that also, but SMART goals are even on my daughter's classroom in 10th grade. I was in her classroom this morning and I was like, wait, you have SMART goals written up in the corner of your chalkboard. You're bringing it up here. I wrote about it in the book and people need to realize the systemic reach of SMART Mm -hmm. goals falls into self-care, working at peak performance, habits attainable, continuous learning. Mm -hmm. All the words you threw in around SMART goals is really magical because it does have such a starlit effect on all the different areas of being a leader. So I just wanted to highlight that. Thank you for saying that. I'm
0: curious though, Alex, how did you learn about Creating those goals, like, did was that something like was you know where did that come from? Because I think that that's part of the challenge <laughs> yeah. sometimes, right? When you're young, how do you? She just know it. Ma- yeah, she's like, just brilliant. yeah no, <laughs> she's really brilliant. Um, but I'm curious, like, how? What was the influence that that gave you the forethought to go, all right, I'm going to accomplish this, and the only way that I'm going to accomplish this is to do that? Because I do think that that's a fundamental component that's missing in a lot of, um, mm-hmm. not just young people, in people's lives in general, is It's just that concept of, of goals. And what does that really mean? So where did, where did that come from for you? That's actually
2: a great question. I've actually never been asked that question. Um, I I have to say, I think it's my parents teaching me golf as a, as a young child. And one of the, the things about golf, anybody who's played, played golf, know this, whenever you first start, you are absolutely horrible. Everybody's absolutely yes. horrible, right? You miss the ball, <laughs> like you know, yep. you, you lose balls, you you have divots yes. in the ground, all these things. And and so what you learn is that every time you play, um, well, first of all, you should get some lessons, but every yeah. time you play, <laughs> you focus on the small things to get better. So whether it's yeah. your drive and okay you you know so you have a goal that has a hole that has a par right so maybe the first time you played you you did five over par and then Mm -hmm. you know a month later you're four over par and then six months later you're three over par and then you know and you just keep working and then what you learn is over time what stance what grip what process works for you. And so I think learning golf as a a young child, um, it kind of taught me this idea around patience, setting goals, giving yourself time, getting training to go along with it. Um, and, and going through this kind of continuous improvement process that, that will work for you. Um, So I would say that was a a starting point. And then the second piece I'll say is, you know, when my first, you know, I would say full time job out of graduate school is Mm -hmm. I worked for Microsoft and I was um, an HR journalist for one of the software development teams. And when I first got introduced to the high tech industry, they talked about this importance of betas. And, Mm. um, what they call dog foodings where you have to, you know, try, you know, try out the product as they're working on it. And when you first try it out, there's going to be bugs. It's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, and and as it, the product is better, as the bug level count goes down, then you move into uh, beta and then you move, you know, to, you know, different levels till you're ready to launch it uh, into the market. Mm-hmm. But this idea that it's not perfect whenever you start, it's yeah. not going to be perfect. There's going to be bugs. There's right. going to be problems, but you don't give it up. You just keep. Working at it, and you chipping, you away, chip, chipping, chipping away, chipping at at it. away, yeah. At yeah. It, right. You keep chipping <laughs> yeah, away yeah, at it. golf Right? the golf bag,
1: right? yep. <laughs> the golf, golf yeah. bag. Yes, That's and
2: you, you know, and you set goals along that. Like we might have yeah. five hundred mm-hmm. bugs right now. We're going to get it to two hundred bugs, and we're going to work on it until we get there. And then once we get to fifty bugs, you know, then we'll be ready to to take it to the next level. But this idea that you know you got to start somewhere, and you. You have yeah. to be committed to keep working on it. And you have to be committed to continuing to work at reaching each goal. And as you face barriers for reaching that goal, there's a process for you trying to figure out how to remove those barriers. Is it more yeah. people? Do you need more training? Do you, you know, just like with golf, it's like, OK, maybe I need more lessons. You know, there's something's happening mm-hmm. here. You know, so not being willing to give up. I think at the end of the day, what, yeah. I, what I'm saying is what I've learned over my life, thank goodness, I think, is that you don't give up. There's always opportunity I for like grace. That. There's always opportunity for a mulligan. And we should stay committed to the things that are important, are important things that we want to go after.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, that's really good. As I do remember, when I first started taking golf lessons, they were like, okay, now go hit 100 balls. And I thought, well, that's stupid. Um, You know, what, What? how is that going to teach me anything? But that's that's exactly where it starts, right? Because to your point, you have to keep making these small Mm -hmm. modifications, and you learn about your form and your swing and the this and the that. And it's a constant evolution of trying to figure it out. But the only way to get there is to keep hitting the ball. So, if That's you right. stop, you know it's well, really it doesn't work. So,
1: and I'm so sorry to hear that for you guys because when I pick up a golf club, it's like magic. <laughs> and I I've just, seen I your videos. The There's nothing magical par, about
0: your golf swing.
1: <laughs> I par every hole. I hit every drive. It's. I mean, it's just not what I'm experiencing. So I don't just, really just understand. Sure what you're perfection.
0: Saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's
1: a great analogy, and it's a good one to bring is. into our, you know our, our community too, because it's uh, it's in sports. It's rinse lather repeat. Yeah, it's goals, it's habits, it's peak performance. I love it. I love it.
0: No, it was really good. Well, so from a, you are a very busy woman, um, Alex, and you have two daughters. How do you find like what do you do for self care? Like, because you've (laughs) got to find the balance in all of that, right? Um, And and I don't know if I consider golf self care. Um, that almost (laughs) is like self torture sometimes. But um, but what uh, what do you do? Like, how do you find um, creating that balance so that you don't get you to find yourself kind of out of whack a little bit.
2: No, that's that's a great question. I think so first first and foremost, I, I meditate and I pray and I try to set aside time to start my day that way every day. Uh I yeah. find that just having even 15 minutes of quiet in the morning um and so I'm willing to get up early to 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 get yeah. that quiet time but having just that that 15 minutes of quiet really does make a difference. Mm-hmm for the rest of my day. Um, the second piece is that I've, I've moved into this beautiful space of seeing, um, the importance of congruency between my career and my home life. And so the things that I think are important to practice. So we talk about goal setting, right? Um, we Mm. talk about, um, you know, shared goals or, or, or having shared accountability. I try to practice that both in my career and my home life. So for example, um, both girls have to finish their homework before they can get on their tablets. Um, that's uh-huh. a rule that I have. Um, yeah, we uh-huh. have to be able to talk about things together. If somebody's upset, um, we're going to talk about it together and problem solve together. Um, so more and more, you know, I, I'm achieving my balance, I think, by seeking to practice the, the right behaviors, both at work and at home and, and seeing my yeah. role as a teacher to my children um, in, in respect to that. Uh, but I would say, you know, working out as well and uh, trying to eat yeah. healthy, um, you yeah. know, all those things to, to try to keep everything in balance. You know, a glass of wine every once in a while, but not too many. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know,
0: all those things. Absolutely. <laughs> no, That's I great. think those are really good. Well, and it's so important because I think, um, especially um, in in your you know, finding that balance and keeping that is so, so important for us, especially in the world we live in today, because work is just can become so consuming of our lives. And, um, and we lose sight of that. Sometimes we lose sight of what's important. And so um, I like that. I uh, And what you said, so how do you incorporate goals in with your daughters then? Um, so how, what are you teaching your daughters um, to help them as they're moving forward through all of this? Yes,
2: yes. Um, so, it, you know, I have to be age appropriate. So I have a five-year-old and a almost 11-year-old, you know, so the goal for the five-year-old is, all right, let's uh, make up our bed (laughs) and and get our clothes on (laughs) uh, before seven (laughs) o'clock. And and, and so, uh, but also let's be a leader. Let's be kind to our friends. Um, Mm -hmm. we talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, how did school go today? And if we had a rough day, we talk about, well, why did we have a rough day? And who do we need to apologize to, um, the next day? Mm. So this kind of process of, of talking about how things are going, um, and how do we course correct the next day are some of the things that I'm working on with, with my, my youngest child, with my oldest child. Um, it really is about getting into more strategic thinking. So, um, yes, you say you want to be a, a part of the drama club. Okay, well, what do we need to be doing now to help get you ready yeah. for that? Mm, what do good. we need to be practicing now um, so mm-hmm. that you're ready for that? Forward thinking. So this idea of forward yeah. thinking yeah. or um, creating mm-hmm. a work-back plan, you know, you have something that you mm-hmm. want to go after. Okay. Let's think a month ahead, two months ahead, what are things we need to be doing now
1: to prepare for that? Um yeah. well if I remember if I remember correctly, Alex, you said she is preparing in that. She is photo ready and making you photo ready at every intersection. Did you (laughs) not say that that? all the (laughs) time? Yes, yes, absolutely. So she's ready, Yes, stage ready. (laughs) Stage ready, yes. TikTok, here
2: we (laughs) go, (laughs) all
0: the time. And thinking about that too, Alex, like what advice would you give to to young people Mm as you, you know, because you're, not to pull, to point out your age, but you are a young woman. I'm like, you've got a lot of life ahead of you. You've accomplished a ton. What advice yeah. would you give to young people? And, and then kind of like, how would you guide them? You know, so I know you've got mentees, but like what kind of advice yeah. would you give to them?
2: Yeah. So first of all, I'm 41. Uh, I'm, and, and so, and my niece show it. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, every everything matures. Uh, yes, sure. it does. Yes, uh, it does. Does yeah. she know who she's talking to?
0: Elizabeth? I know.
1: Does yeah, she know <laughs> yeah. <who
0: she's laughs> we're a little further in the now. maturity level. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit further. Yeah, a little but bit
0: thank further you, Alex, along, for but, the reminder. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's good.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I sat next to uh, 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 on the plane next sex this young man. I was twenty six. And,
0: yeah, and, it's all perspective. Yeah, it's You're all right. perspective. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Complete perspective. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
2: Baby. Yeah, um, and, and so, you know, I think the, the one of the big things that I would say to young people is to have an appreciation for where they are right now. I think... Mm-hmm. In some Ooh, ways, one. they, you know, it's many of the young people I've met, you know, they want to be CEO in in four years, and they want to be VP. Yep. They want to be married in th- two years. They have all these.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
2: they're. It's great to have goals. It's it's absolutely yeah. amazing to have goals. I'm, I'm a big proponent of goals, but I think there's also an important component of having an appreciation for where you are. At this particular moment, because the truth is mm-hmm. life is like stages or like building blocks. And at each stage, there's a lesson to be learned, there's skills to be cultivated, there's yeah. pruning or grooming that needs to happen. And when you rush it, you miss something. And when you mm-hmm. miss something, when you graduate to that next level, you may have to do mm-hmm some remedial work to get whatever that is so that you're ready for the next thing. And so I'm, I'm very big on appreciate where you are now. Yes. I know you want to be VP. I remember being 22 years old and thinking about, Oh my goodness, I can't wait to run HR. I can't wait to do this. But at that time I was an HR assistant helping the key in payroll. And I'm so glad that I had that experience. You know, I I remember having to put down tissue boxes because they were doing a layoff. Right. And I'm so glad I had that experience. And why am I glad? Because 15 years later, when I actually am running HR and I'm having to make a software decision about our HR system, I remember the days of having to key in payroll Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. I hated about it and what made that easier when I unfortunately had to make decisions about layoffs. I remember yeah. the mm-hmm. empathy that was necessary to be able mm-hmm. to make that decision and be able to comfort people during that type, type of loss. So yeah. every stage matters. And and yeah. I would mm-hmm. encourage young people to, to really fully get the most out of the stage that they're in now as they're pursuing their dreams.
0: That's I love that. Yeah, segment. that's really yeah. Um, very insightful. And I agree with you. I, I think that we we've lost sight of how important life lessons are, and that it is a journey, and you have to experience it and going through all of that, that if you just go from, you know, point A to point B, um, you know, there's, there's and not appreciate the in between on how you got there. Um, you kind mm-hmm. of lose sight of that to your point. And you do have to go through those experiences. Um, it's what helps us be smarter, better, more functioning people i think is is that you do kind of have to go through all that and the good and the bad right because we you experience a lot of bad along the way too and sometimes we get very caught up in in that and we find ourselves in that negative headspace um but it's just to your point it's a moment in time and i got to experience that moment in time and then i'm going to move on i'm going to move to the next well, and the next
1: and to complement what you're saying, Linda, is you're going to experience it because if yeah. you're fast tracked around it, it will reconcile itself yes, later.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: so you 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 don't get to fast track fast track yourself to these higher roles without yeah. reconciling the the training that's needed or the landmines or the double the work that would be needed to input yeah. into performing that function. It will catch up to you. Yes. Yes. It will. And so yeah. there's real truth to. I think this is a really wise statement, Alex, and I think it's a really wise thing to highlight because we've never done that on this show either, and that is you know the, the fast tracking reconciliation concept right yeah. you 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 might be able to bypass something now to make a jump sooner mm-hmm. as long as you're strategic with that and in the jump allocate for the time yes. to learn what you yes. missed in the yeah. jump yeah
0: good point. and if
1: you don't allocate that time, then you're working twice as hard or you're going to fail and be sent back. that's right,
0: yeah.
2: That's right. And when you see those situations where people really really fall from grace, you know, there's usually an arrogance and ego component that goes along with that where they were not willing Mm -hmm. to do the work necessary to close those gaps, Mm -hmm. even though it was pointed out to them. And so, you know, coming into whatever stage you're in with that humility and, you know, Mm -hmm. learning what you can, but if you are advanced, (laughs) you know, quicker than what you expected, having that humility to say, you know what, I'm going to network. I'm going to read. I'm going to learn. I'm going to take that class. Uh, I'm going to sit down and spend some time. Um, those are
1: all important. I think keys to being successful. Uh, I will tell. Yeah. You don't get, you don't, you don't get there without, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You don't get there without that humility of, like you said, I was fast-tracked in a lot of my career Mm -hmm. and I still took the time to go back and learn the public speaking, learn the art of communication, learn how to organize myself and get certified under the leadership that fast-tracked me, that knew I was bringing the right skills as a leader, Mm -hmm. that they pulled me up and then said, now go learn this out of respect for the promotion. I went and learned it. That's right. And to your point, yeah, and if you're and those assholes that didn't yeah, were the ones that have failed or have fallen off the, mm-hmm. the relationship circuit and are no longer networking in a leadership capacity. So it does reconcile itself. It does. Yeah. If you don't bring that word of humility. That's a really I want yes. to highlight that. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. No, and, and what I was gonna I say, agree. just just connecting to that is, you know, I became head of HR for the city of Memphis at thirty three years old. And yeah. I was oh, not from Memphis, and that was my first right. major leadership role. <laughs>
1: what the hell happened to me?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I get thrust yeah. into this, this position. But one of the first things that I did was I thanked God for it, and then I became extremely humble and said, okay, let me learn about pension. Let me learn yeah. about... Uh, benefits in a very deep way mm-hmm. let me spend time right. with people to understand more about police and fire and solid waste and why they're doing what they're doing and how they came to this mm-hmm. uh, and being willing to spend a lot of late nights to and put in the work um, yeah. you know and and when I look at our success it is because of that I think that humility yep. and how people saw me actually behave that way. And then it role modeled and people felt comfortable Mm -hmm. being the same and having that level of vulnerability within our organization. So, you know, I I just think in general, that's the the best way to lead. Um, That's the best way to learn Mm -hmm. is to come into it um, Mm -hmm. with
1: with that perspective. I I wish I could remember the author that said the best skill of any leader and it's not the word humility, but it was the word compassion, which mm. cl- tightly aligns to humility. That is the number one skill set of any leader in any industry. Mm-hmm. And you're you're hitting it right on the head. And I don't know that Linda we've ever talked about that on the show no. the way that it's being presented today. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's no. Really I an think important been thing. really good. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I love your yeah. perspectives on all of this, Alex. It's been great. So curious, like, um, so what's next for you? Um, you know, I mean you've um I know you've just started in this role with Oracle. <laughs> what could but possibly like, be next? <laughs> what's next? Um, you know, you've yeah. done so many amazing things, um, and certainly have a yeah. lot. But like what are you what's what's the what's the future for Alex? Yeah, that's a a great question. I think at this point, um,
2: I, the, the fair answer is I really am not sure. <laughs> um, that's all right.
0: But, that's it, but that's what fair. I do yeah. know
2: is that uh, I'm in a spirit of um, learning uh, and taking really everything that I've learned in my my public sector life and sharing that with as many HR leaders uh, across the, the the public sector atmosphere as I can um yeah. i i have this just strong desire to see um you know public sector agencies be um as uh successful and as effective as possible i think our communities around the us need it um uh yeah. desperately mm-hmm. uh in this yeah. kind of post covid world that we're in um where we're seeing you know crime rates are up we're seeing these huge education gaps that have developed and all these different things mental health challenges all these all these things Mm -hmm. we need our government to uh, perform at its highest level and if i can take just anything that i've learned uh, from my time in memphis and share that that can help um move some organizations forward that's what i want to do so i i see that (laughs) being my future um in some way, I don't know exactly how that all of that will shape, but um, yeah, my goal is to just continue to to be that advocate for public sector.
0: I love that. Well, you've done such an amazing job on that platform in really elevating that um, that human capital um, and the role of the CHRO and the strategic role of the CHRO in the public sector space, because, you know, as you know, historically, it's been much more of a less strategic, much more tactical um, type of role and has not really had a seat at the table. And I think the fact that you've been able to so positively utilize your platform in a way to get that message out there, um, because you're right, without happy, engaged government employees, we can't solve any of the problems that government is trying to solve. And And that's such an important factor that gets missed so frequently in in trying to solve to these problems is that you kind of got to start with the people who are actually working in government. And that starts um, from a human capital perspective and and that leadership.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Well, so we always like to end the show with um, with three questions. Um, And so our first question for you is, what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise?
2: I, I think there's a myth that HR people are party planners and that... Ooh,
0: I like yeah, that. that were,
2: <laughs> wow. And, and, and the yeah. truth is, most HR people I've met are actually introverts. <laughs> and, yeah, that is so true. You know, and, oh my and, and, yeah. and actually would run away from a party.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is true. There is a total misconception about that. That yes. was a good one. I love that one. Yeah. So that, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is the most important lesson you've learned so far over your career? Mm-hmm.
2: That you can learn from anyone. I like that, that you can learn from anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you know whether it is the the janitor, um, mm-hmm. or you know the, you know mm-hmm. the 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 intern, um, yeah. mm-hmm. or you know your your most senior executive that there's there's something to be learned learned by anybody that you engage with. And so it's important to respect And receive. in
1: walks that humility. Yes. Yeah. Respect yeah.
2: respect yeah. that. Yeah. Respect that the life and the journey that people have been on. Um, and and it, and respect that you can you can learn from them.
0: I like that. Wonderful. No, I think that is yeah, an important that's a good one. one for sure. And my last question for you is what's lesson, what's one lesson that your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Hmm.
2: Um relationships matter.
1: Mm. That's like my that.
2: favorite. Yeah. Relationships <laughs> matter. My favorite. Yeah. Can't you do, it do it alone. No. You
1: can't do it alone. You are not
2: an island. I agree with you, Alex. No organization is nope. is, is of one. To be an organization, yeah. nope. you've got to have at least what? two people. <laughs>
1: Right. I mean, a quorum is not one. Is Be that not one. one. That's right.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's and, right. And, I like.
1: That. I and, love that. Actually, actually, my favorite thing. Yeah. And so
2: I think learning how to resolve conflicts, learning how to develop relationships, learning how to build trust, learning how yeah. to build trust. Um, those yeah. are things that I learned in um, in my in my career and in my in my job. But I would tell you, yeah. you know what, one of the interesting things for highlights for me this year or even aha moments yeah. for this year is that I needed to do that with my children. That my relationship yeah, with my yeah. children, that building trust with my children yeah. matter just as much as how mm-hmm. it helps me at work. And so I've had to make like a that. conscious decision to say, do my children trust me? They know I provide for them, but do they, as a, as a person, do they, do they trust me? Do I have a relationship with them? Do I know what they like? Do they know what I like, you know, beyond me making sure that they get their homework done? You know, what does that relationship relationship look like? Um, so I I, you know, I, I think that that's a, that's a universal statement that relationships matter.
0: Yeah. No, I Mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's a really good point, because we just assume that inherently our children trust us, right? Because, um, you know, well, we're their parents, of course, they trust us. Um, But I think it's a really good point. We're not, um, we aren't deliberate in that enough, like we should be. So that's a good one. I, I really like that. Yeah. So Alex, I have one. loved yeah. having you here. And I hope you'll come back um, in the later. Yes. We'd love to hear kind of more, especially as you um in, you know embark on this new journey that you're on. And I can't wait to watch all the amazing success I know you're gonna have. Um, because you've just done so many incredible things, and I know you're gonna be a huge difference maker in in government and um and the efforts um out there and just in Alex, life so in general. You're just such a wonderful person. So well, so glad Yeah, and the you.
1: smile is radiant, the humility is. Is present the continuous learning is a model yeah. model podcast thank you so much for being here today yes. it's fantastic i really Absolutely. enjoyed this. thank
2: you so much no, for having me everyone.
0: this has been fun oh good i'm yeah. so glad well scott it was great to see you as always i hope you um continue on getting better um and thank you uh, you too yeah right. and uh i'll look forward to uh to seeing you next time An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Misogadis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Missigatis. Check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.